Patriots, listen up. It's time to wake up and smell the freedom. Beard Vet Coffee is here to fuel your American spirit. This isn't just coffee. It's a battle cry in a cup, a declaration of love for the land of the free and the home of the brave. Crafted by the hands of those who've walked the walk, talked the talk, and, yeah, grown the damn beard. Vet founded, vet focused, and beard operated. This is coffee with a mission, a purpose, and a testament to the unyielding American spirit. It's a tribute to the tireless resolve that courses through the veins of our great nation. This is the taste of victory, the flavor of freedom, the coffee that stands as firm as our belief in America's destiny to lead and never to kneel. Beard Vet Coffee is more than a brand. It's a legacy steeped in the principles that make America great. It's for those who stand with pride under the stars and stripes, who uphold the values that light the torch of liberty for the world to see. So, are you ready to supercharge your day the American way? Beard Vet Coffee is not just a choice. It's a declaration of independence from mediocre mornings. Bold, brave, unbound, brewed for the American patriot. Beard Vet Coffee, make your mornings great again. David Pollack here. I hope you're enjoying the show. If you're looking for more information on any of our sponsors, or perhaps you want to hear a replay of a past show, make sure to visit thedavidpollockshow.com. There, you'll also find our latest articles, links to our social media, and opportunities to become a sponsor yourself. So remember to visit thedavidpollockshow.com. Fasten your seatbelts. It's going to be a bumpy night. I don't want you to protest, I don't want you to ride, I don't want you to write to your congressman because I wouldn't know what to tell you to write. I don't know what to do about the depression and the inflation and the Russians and the crime in the street. All I know is that first, you've got to get mad! Wait a minute, wait a minute, you ain't heard nothing yet. Wait a minute, I tell you. I want you to get up now. I want all of you to get up out of your chairs. I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it, and stick your head out and yell, I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. Welcome to the David Pollack Show. To come on the air this week, celebrating uh, the Florida State Seminoles being uh, ACC champions, undefeated 13-0, and and going to a championship playoff. But I'm not doing that today because, as you guys have probably heard, and no, this isn't a sports show, this is a politics show, I get it, but everything is political, right? You guys saw that the college football playoff selection committee or whatever they call themselves decided that an undefeated conference champion, Florida State University, who found ways to win in Gainesville with a second string quarterback 
at the ACC Championship with a third-string quarterback uh, making his first collegiate start, uh, and he was injured for half the year, found a way to shut down Louisville's offense, winning the football game, but no, 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 no. The ACC Championship Playoff Committee, or not the ACC, the the playoff, whatever this committee's called, (laughs) decided we can't have... Uh, a playoff without the SEC, Southeastern Conference. I call them SEC supremacists. They can't have a playoff without the SEC. And it's not just because they believe that the SEC is the superior college football conference. It's because Florida State didn't have their starting quarterback. So, Clearly, this isn't the same team that they've had all season. This isn't. This team's not good enough to play in the playoffs. And and our job as the bowl selection or the playoff selection committee is to pick the four best teams. Best. And how do you determine who the best team is? Not wins or losses, guys. No, 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 no. It's not who wins. It's who they say is the best. On what factors? Well, of course, they consider whether or not you're a conference champion, what your record is, your strength of schedule, quality of wins. But they also consider player availability. This little new clause in the bylaws used to keep Florida State out of the playoffs, saying, "Yeah, yeah, because you don't have your quarterback, you're not, you're probably not going to win." So, since you're probably not going to win. I, I know you're undefeated, and I know you haven't lost a football game regardless of who you've been with or without, but because you're probably not going to win, we're just going to go ahead and just, eh, we're just going to go with somebody else. No, 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 Florida State. You're not allowed to prove whether or not you can win. That, that's not the point of athletics. It's who we say should be able to compete for the national championship. Not who deserves to compete for the national championship. It's who we say deserves to compete for the national championship. And of course, it has to be Alabama. One loss, Alabama. Who did they lose to? The other team with one loss that they put in the playoffs instead of Florida State, Texas. Texas, by the way, is joining the SEC next year. Now I know, I know this isn't a football show. What does this have to do with politics, David Pollock show? Well, I'll tell you. The SEC has very uh, profitable contracts with ESPN, ABC, Disney. You know that corporation, that conglomerate? They received the talking points weeks ago. They knew that they were facing the potential of a situation where... The corporation's preferred teams, the SEC, where they would make the most money off of viewers, could potentially not be in the playoffs. And here is, here is, uh, this is going to be cut one, Jeff. Here, I want you to hear this. This is a sports show, the Jeff Cameron show. But I want you to just listen to what he's saying here. This is cut one. Go ahead. Three weeks ago, when you began to hear the talking heads begin to hint of any possibility 
that an undefeated Power Five conference champion with two wins over the SEC in a year in which the ACC has a winning record over the SEC would be left out of the playoff in favor of a one-loss team, maybe multiple one-loss teams. The second you caught wind of the narrative being born, tossed into the ether, it's out there. As we say on the show over the years, kings are killed, Mr. Garrison. You know what they're about to do. And you sit blindly, idly? How are you not on every show in America refuting the ignorance, refuting the storyline, positing overwhelming statistical evidence that is simply a false narrative because you're weak? And for the last time, we suffer the consequences of you being puny, impotent to do anything. To help the cause of the conference that you work for. So you hear that? Sounds familiar, right? He's talking about narratives. And for those of you streaming this, I I just looked over to camera. I I thought that I could use this other piece of garbage computer in here, and it would give me a better uh, digital experience. But I'm looking at my feed. It looks like it's frozen. So uh, I apologize for you trying to watch this uh, digital feed. It looks like it's stuck. I'll try to fix it at the break. (laughs) Anyhow, uh, what you're hearing here is the same kind of things you hear in politics. This idea that this establishment, here it's a college football establishment, setting a narrative, sending their narrative out to their fake news partners, here it's ESPN. They put the narrative together, they send it out, creating the idea that a team like Florida State could be kept out of the playoffs because of their quarterback being out. This was the narrative they created to set up a situation where it guaranteed that one of their SEC teams can get in. What does this have to do with politics? Well, I'll tell you. Last week, I don't know if you watched it. I had to suffer through some of it for you. You had the establishment's dream debate. On Sean Hannity's Fox, on Fox News with Sean Hannity moderating. This was the debate between uh, Gavin Newsom, California's governor, and Florida's governor, Ron DeSantis. What in the world would they be doing having a debate with Sean Hannity other than propping up Newsom's shadow campaign and DeSantis's failing campaign, giving the establishment their wish list? Of a debate. This is who they want to be president. You heard this early when Ron DeSantis said he was going to run. The establishment was furious with Trump. Step aside, Mr. Trump. Let somebody else run, Mr. Trump. Ron DeSantis has a better chance of beating Joe Biden. And for all of you Trump supporters that are still supporting Trump, we're going to lose. And it's because of you. The hate, the divisive politics coming out of the establishment. How dare we support somebody other than who they say should be the nominee, the Republican nominee. Not who we want, who they want. Sound familiar? And their narratives are out there working. Whether they're calling out COVID policies, whether they're calling out election denying or whatever. They want Ron DeSantis, Nikki Haley, any of them to be president over Donald Trump. Why? Well, because that's who they think should be our president. doesn't matter what we think. But let's see what the polls think, shall we? How's Ron DeSantis doing, by the way? Nationally, 13 percent 
That's how he's polling. To Trump's almost 60%. And does that mean Trump's going to lose to Biden? Well, let's see what the polls say about that. In a head-to-head matchup with Joe Biden, Donald Trump, 41%, Joe Biden, 39%. In the five-way race with the independent Kennedy, Trump does even better, 38% to 33%. Kennedy getting 11%. Westenstein, 2% each. The never-Trump vote's not going to Biden anymore. Yeah, Trump loses some, but Biden loses even more. The establishment is panicking. It can't be Trump. That's not who they want. It can't be Florida State. That's not who they want. America is sick and tired of being told by the establishment, whether it's in college football, whether it's in politics, the self-appointed elite telling us what's better for us. Well, we have something to tell them. And we'll talk about that right after the break. Don't go anywhere. Dave Pollock Show. Be right back. David Pollock here. I hope you're enjoying the show. If you're looking for more information on any of our sponsors, or perhaps you want to hear a replay of a past show, make sure to visit thedavidpollockshow.com. There, you'll also find our latest articles, links to our social media, and opportunities to become a sponsor yourself. So remember to visit thedavidpollockshow.com. Are you an insurance agent or property manager looking for a reliable and accurate property inspection? Floridian Property Consultant specializes in citizens' insurance packages and replacement cost appraisals, so you can get bound quickly, easily, and accurately. FPC's experienced inspectors will make sure each assessment meets all the insurance carrier standards while ensuring that you don't pay for more than you need. Work with a company that respects your time and budget as much as you do. Visit online at FloridianPropertyConsultants.com. That's FloridianPropertyConsultants.com. Welcome back to the David Pollack Show. Uh, For my friends trying to watch my stream here at home, I am trying really hard here to uh, get you back up so you can actually watch this thing. We will see what happens here in just a second. That's how, uh, this is how talented I am here. I'm uh, trying to uh, do radio. and uh, get you guys uh, entertained and visible. Anyway, it's not going to work. I don't know. I don't know what you guys can see at home. It looks like something crazy is going on. We're just going to rock with it. And um, let me welcome Allie to the show. (laughs) Oh, my God. Let me tell you something. This is just the fun you get when you do live radio. Things don't work. And I do all of this for the listeners and the viewers so they can actually see things. Right now on my stream, there's a frozen picture of me with my mouth open. And then there's actually a good video. I'm trying here to figure it out. Oh, no. You need help, David. Oh, (laughs) you have no idea how how much help I need. Actually, I know how to fix this. It's just, um, anyway, I'm not going to be able to do it right now. So for the... (laughs) God. Anyway. 
anyway, Ali, I don't know if you heard uh, the opening of the show. Um, I talked about uh, basically the establishment hosing Florida State and drawing mm-hmm. the parallels to what the establishment's trying to do to Donald Trump. And um, I wanted to bring you on to in, in engage in the discussion. But before we get into that, um, I wanted to talk about um, you a little bit because you're an interesting person. I met you a few years ago at CPAC. You were running for school board in Hillsborough yeah. County. Uh, you killed it um, when you were running. Now, you didn't win, but you did a really good job. You were actually the first person endorsed uh, by Governor DeSantis. And actually, I have yep. some audio for that. Uh, Jeff, if you want to put it up, that is cut seven. My name is Allie Legg. I'm from Hillsborough County, Florida. I'm an Army veteran, a wife. Thank you. Thank you. A wife and a mother of five children. (laughs) I stand before you not just as a multiracial, multicultural mother of children of the same, but most importantly, as an American. And sadly, my family has experienced the effects of CRT over the last three years. From being told that the Constitution can be suspended under emergency rule by a history teacher, to being told that only non-minorities are racist, even being graded not on performance, but based on who my child chose to be friends with to being told that my child should denounce the father that has raised him as his own since he was three years old because he is white and without his black father he would not be here by a teacher who had absolutely no idea what has transpired in our family these teachers had no right to push their ideologies onto my children and it should not have happened in the first place their job is to teach reading writing science and math Everything else is up to me and their father, their parents. That's good, Jeff. So that was you making a name for yourself standing on stage with Ron DeSantis. And then you made a little bit of news this week unintentionally. I guess it was last week when uh, the infamous Laura Loomer uh, suggested that maybe you were being used as a pawn by uh, or a prop, I should say, uh, by the governor. Um, I wrote an article about it. It was in the DC Patriot. If everyone wants to go check it out, go to dcpatriot.com. Check out the article. And Great article, by the way. Thank you very much. So I was hoping you could talk about that a little bit. What was it like running for school board? Uh, your endorsement to DeSantis, and I, they were talking about CRT there, which is why um, they were suggesting that um, you were being quote unquote used as a prop. And I was hoping you could just talk about that for a second. Yeah, sure. I mean, running for school board was something that I had never thought I would do. Um, Politics, I had a very, like, large disdain for politicians and for the political process. Uh, It wasn't something I was interested in, uh, although I loved learning about our um, American government, how our government works. I just didn't ever think I was going to be um, in it in this capacity. Uh, And I started kind of looking around at what was going on politically in 2017, doing some background information and research on um, exemptions to vaccinations, because California at the time was passing legislation to strip away medical exemptions, uh, which are very difficult to get in the first place. Um, And it turned into this big, you know, bureaucracy kind of thing where they were weaponizing our medical establishment against parents, essentially stripping away parental rights. Uh, through the medical field. And then, you know, 2020 happened and everyone lost their minds. And um, 
you know, we had governments telling people who was essential and who wasn't essential. And um, I started speaking out because as a veteran and being raised in a house uh, and a family full of veterans, it's just not something that you can kind of get away from. Like you, you're, you're taught to have courage. You're taught to, you know, respect, you know, the, the positions that people are in and to respect this country. And when you have governments that are willingly circumventing the foundation of our nation and telling people who is essential and who's not essential when everybody that goes to work and puts food on their table is an essential worker, we have problems. Uh, so I put my combat boots back on and I decided to fight in a different capacity. Um, and I started doing public comments and creating content on online. And um, when my son was remote learning, he was told by his history teacher that the Constitution could be suspended and it wasn't unique to just him. It happened across our county, across state. Um, and then we had teachers that were, like I said, in, in the, the press conference that were, you know, essentially trying to group him, you know, with this ideology that, you know, white people are bad and black people are not. And it, uh, it, it's just, it was completely mind blowing. And so I was like, you know what, our, our kids are not getting the needs that they, that the, the things that they need from our schools, uh, especially when you have teachers unions that are, that are essentially blackmailing our, our school boards, trying to get them to implement their rules by keeping our kids out of school. Um, I was like, something has to be done. And so I kept getting this, this pull and this, this word of, of like, you know, if not now, then who? Uh, if not you, then who? If not now, then when? Um, and so I was like, you know what? I don't see anybody else that's going to do it the way that I would do it. So I'm going to put my hat in. And that was it. And now <laughs> you were running in a really tough race. And despite your best Absolutely. efforts, um, you know, you weren't successful in your race, but you haven't stopped fighting. Now you are the director of, of school board engagement for Moms for America. What that's, what's that like? Yes, so this is my most favorite part of what I do. I get to teach people how to build relationships with their elected representatives in order to get um, America First good policies passed, whether it's school board, whether it's city council, whether it's your board of county commissions, whether it's through the legislature um, in your state or national. Um, and that is that's something that I like doing. I like like uh, educating people on the proper roles of government, roles and responsibilities of those that are elected and hired, um, and how to leverage relationships and build relationships with them so that we are recognized um, as not just in in sight but in voice and um, and through our families as well, so that we can pass what we, what needs to to change, you know, in our country. And now your organization just endorsed Donald Trump. For president, yes, we and, did. Yes, we did. <laughs> and the, uh, the I guess the the suggestion in, with Laura Loomer, and I talked about this in the article, was that um, because DeSantis endorsed you and your organization endorsed Trump, that that was somehow embarrassing for DeSantis. Um, it's fine, I understand the argument, um, but it was a different time when you were endorsed, right? When you were endorsed by the governor, he was the governor; he wasn't running for president. Now Trump might have thought he was running for president, which is why he coined the phrase "the sanctimonious." Um, <laughs> But either way, uh, that's sort of the difference, I guess. Um, but now, speaking of Donald Trump, you heard me talk about the establishment going after Donald Trump. And I wanted to talk about this for a second, I'm trying to find at these headlines you might have seen. But essentially, now that it looks like Donald Trump is going to be the nominee based on all the polling. The polling was like this from the beginning, by the way. I don't know what mm -hmm. world of denial they have been in, hoping that Donald Trump wasn't going to get the nomination. But polls have been consistent. They only get better for Donald Trump. But here's what they're saying right now. Now, here, this is an opinion piece. Trump, 
uh, a Trump dictatorship is increasingly inevitable. We should stop pretending. Then there was Liz Cheney says U.S. sleepwalking into a dictatorship with Trump as GOP frontrunner. This is the Atlantic. If Trump wins, the staff of the Atlantic on the threat of a second term poses to the American democracy. And this is. Uh, who is this? I don't even know who this is. Why a second Trump presidency may be more radical than his first. And then there's this entire political article that kind of goes through. <laughs> I love the title. Trump's revenge. GOP braces for daily blasts from orange Jesus. <laughs> oh now, my. now, orange Jesus is my favorite so far. What? Now, I think we should make I think faith and freedom. Um, this is Matt Couch's uh, t-shirt company. Uh, I think we need to start making orange An Jesus orange shirts Jesus because t-shirt? before oh we were God. ultra MAGA, MAGA, this and that, MAGA, Magaladonians. Now it's orange Jesus. We are disciples of orange Jesus. And um, essentially, Don't just feed into the cult. No, 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 no. We're it. disciples no. of orange Jesus. And um, so essentially, the article just talks about how, you know, uh, Trump's policies like the overturning Obamacare and all these things. It's basically yeah. a, an establishment wish list. So what is your opinion? How do you view this feud between uh, what I'm calling America first versus the establishment? Where do you see it going? I think, honestly, I, I think it's a projection, right? What they're saying in the news about what potentially Trump is going to do when he is, you know, elected the 47th president is is most definitely a projection. I mean, and that's exactly what Marxists do, right? Everything is racist and everything is fascist and everything is everything but what it is until they control it, right? And it, it it's quite crazy. It's, it's actually really easy to understand and to see and to, to, to point out and to recognize once you understand what Marxists do, and that's exactly what they do. They they project and they call what they can't control racist or fascist. Um, and that's, that's really what it is. I think if you are honest with yourself and you look at facts and you look at policy and you remove emotion out of um, the politics that we're seeing, you'll be uh, able to understand and see that what we are living in right now is exactly what they said Trump would do. Yeah. Well, and then uh, and if you look at yeah, where we were three years ago, you can tell that we were in much better state uh, state of affairs, even worldly, when he was in office. And so, who doesn't want that back? I mean, we're right now we're right now facing World War Three, literally, quite literally. Uh, we have an open border where people of military age, men of military age, are flooding through this country, and we have sitting representatives. Um, Senator Dick Durbin talking about how they want to have um, undocumented migrants, illegal aliens coming that are coming into this country, that if they can pass the military physical, that they are allowed to join our military. What in the world are we talking about right now? It's, it's Ali, it's two Americas, and the world is starting to see it. Americans are starting to see it. I got to go to a hard break, but Ali, are you going to join us for the Post Pollock Show Twitter space beginning at 9 p.m. Eastern tonight? You you know it. I'll be there. All right. Well, guys, we're going to – Ali, thank you so much for being on the show, um, and we'll talk to you in a little bit. Guys, if you want to continue this conversation with Ali, uh, she will be in our Post uh, Show Twitter space beginning at 9 p.m. Eastern, and all you got to do is go to Twitter now called X – and say, at The Pollock Show, that's my handle, at The Pollock Show, and go ahead and join our Twitter space, and let's continue the conversation. Allie, thank you so much for being on The David Pollock Show. Thank you.
Guys, we're going to go to a quick break, and we come back. Uh, we're going to be talking to uh, the, the, one of the hosts of the fastest-growing political podcast, and we're going to talk about it in just a minute. Don't go anywhere. Where patriots come for the top news stories, politics, and world events. AM 950, FM 94.9. The answer. Business owners, are you sick of dealing with those big-name telecommunications companies that leave you frustrated with terrible customer service and then lock you into long-term contracts? That's why I want to introduce you to my friends over at Public Telephone Company. They are an industry-leading VOIP provider offering all-in-one business communication solutions that are completely contract-free with competitive pricing. But perhaps the best part, they're all about supporting their customers with U.S.-based customer service and they're always willing to go the extra mile. Don't let your phone company drive you mad. Call Public Telephone Company today at 877-314-4080 or visit them at publictelephonecompany.com. That's publictelephonecompany.com. Hey, friends, David Pollock here. If you're craving the best soft-serve ice cream around, Topper's Creamery's got you covered. Serving the Apopka community for over a decade, Topper's is known for the finest old-fashioned custard-style soft-serve ice cream in a variety of flavors, from their French vanilla bean to exciting specials like German chocolate cake. But the experience doesn't end there. Be sure to grab a fresh-baked waffle cone or a sundae topped with my favorite, the fresh-baked brownies. They even offer pup cups for your four-legged friends. So hurry in to Topper's Creamery in Apopka, South 512 Hunt Club Road. Make sure to Tell him David sent you. Looking up at a sunny sky, so shiny and blue, and there's a butterfly. Well, isn't that a super fantastic sign? It's going to be a fantastic day. Such well, this is kind of the perfect song. Uh, <laughs> I will get back up again. I don't know if you guys ever watched a Trolls movie. That's where this is from. Uh, we're getting back up here on the Dave Pollock Show. We're live on our streaming channels now and on the airwaves of 94.9 FM, 9.50 AM, The Answer Orlando. So now everybody should be able to see and hear me that want to see and hear me. So uh, there we go. I want to welcome Roan to the show from Steak for Breakfast podcast, the fastest growing political podcast out there. And I don't know who doesn't like um, Steak for Breakfast. I, I love Steak for Breakfast, and it's a brilliant name. How did you come up with the name Steak for Breakfast for the podcast? Hey, Dave. Thanks for having us. And uh, <laughs> I'll do you one better. The entire pod team's here today. Noah's with me, my co-host as well. Hey, what's happening? Hey, and, Noah. Uh, you, get the, you get the full gamut of Steak for Breakfast. It was actually... Conceived in a garage many years ago by a former host who was the inventor of the show, got the UFC announcer, Mr. Buffer, to do the actual uh, introduction to the podcast and decided to walk away from politics in late 2019, 2020. Can't blame him. No, it's been pretty rough ride, right? You know, but he took off and uh, we picked it up and, and here we are on the show with you. Uh, listen, you guys, uh, if everybody needs to go... Um, and I hear feedback in my headset from I don't know if it's coming through the uh, the way you guys are streaming, but um, you guys it, it, you have great guests, great content. Um, it, it, you guys just have a really good podcast, and everybody's noticing. I, the guests you get are just it's better than any cable news show. And um, so if anybody doesn't already listen to Steak for Breakfast podcast, you need to go right now um, to any of your streaming platforms and go download it. 
uh, or I'm sorry, download it. Just go and, and, and make a reminder to go and, and listen to it because it is great stuff. So how, let me ask you. So with everything that's going on, how do you sort of in the first half of the show, I talked about the establishment striking back. I used an example about Florida State football and how the committee left them out because of politics. And I tried to draw the sure. parallel between politics in football and politics in in government. The establishments are everywhere. And if you go to the DCPatriot.com, I have an article out today that talks about the parallels between the establishment in college football and the establishment in politics. But it's the same. It's the same ruling class of elitists who want to give us what they think is best for us, not what we want or deserve or earn. And you've seen it with the way the establishment has treated Donald Trump or MAGA. And I don't know if you heard before the break, um, now they're calling him Orange Jesus. So now instead of MAGA, I'm coining it right now tonight. Um, we are disciples of Orange Jesus. And the way they treat disciples of Orange Jesus um, is with a lot of disrespect and disdain and anger because we are preventing them from having the establishment and the government that they want. What, I mean, what do you view of, of the where the establishment is right now in politics? And do you see it getting stronger, weaker do you th- do you think Trump represents the anti-establishment? Well, I definitely think he represents the anti-establishment at the very least, and he might capitalize on that orange Jesus thing. <laughs> yeah, you never know with what comes out of his true social feeds. But the fact of the matter is, especially in the, over the last month, and definitely heading into the Thanksgiving break, you've seen the K Street, the mainstream print press, the international media conglomerate politicians from both sides of the aisle really ratcheting up the rhetoric against Donald Trump and America First, that whole movement that's going on right now. You know, when you, when you look at it from 3,500 feet, you just see a whole bunch of people saying he's not a viable candidate, he can't beat Joe Biden again in the general election, but there's a lot more than that. I mean, you had articles come out as recently as this weekend or even today that show Victoria Newland, who's a high-ranking official within the you know, the Department of Defense, her husband wrote an article essentially calling for the assassination of President Trump as being the only way that they could stop him since everything legally, lawfare-wise, and things of that nature have failed. And, and you know, I, I do think he's the right man for the moment. I do think he's the right man to lead the movement. But uh, you, you just have to see it. You know, when Liz Cheney, Paul Ryan, Hillary Clinton, and Joe Biden are all saying the same talking points on, on cable news over the weekend, it, it makes you kind of scratch your head and say, this is something a little bit more than Donald Trump triggers people. This is they are so scared of how he's going to, figuratively speaking, blow up the D.C. swamp if he gets back into office again next year. Why do you think there? I mean, look, <laughs> since he came down the escalator, first they treated him like he was a joke. Then they started taking him seriously and they did whatever they could to resist him. What do you think the threat of Donald Trump is so much to the establishment? Do you think that it takes away their power, disrupts uh, everything that they've built? Or do you think they just don't like him because they didn't play by the rules? What 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 is it about Donald Trump that makes the establishment just so angry? I think it's a little bit of everything and the unpredictability that he brings to the table. I mean, for his first term was honestly all the accomplishments that he was able to do, but it was like a constant game of fool me once. Now that he understands and sees who the reals are, the people who are sticking by his side after the administration, you know, former cabinet members, members of Congress, uh, governors, senators, and the House representatives who support him still, potential uh, places where they'll fit in the administration. And, you know, some of the threats that I don't really think are veiled that he, you know, building the wall was was a figure of speech that turned into whatever, you know, your listenership can, can decide what it is. I always reference the Department of Homeland Security official website where they show Nearly 500 miles of new border wall was constructed during the 
time Donald Trump was in office. But, you know, this time he's talking about essentially shrinking the government by a fourth within like the first very short time after he's sworn into office and then sending all the people who have created these forever unelected bureaucratic positions within the federal government either back to the front lines where they're supposed to be working or into retirement. And I think when you look at it that way, even like Lindsey Graham saying that he's not going to send another penny to Ukraine unless the U.S. southern border is sealed, that man loves war more than anyone. And you see that guy kind of changing his narrative back towards Trump era politics, where Lindsey Graham really didn't need war because Donald Trump was making the military great again and getting all those great business deals with some of our international partners for security as well. Yeah, you know, that's an excellent point, And you're right. The war machine wants to be funded. And for so long, members of the establishment, whether Republicans or Democrats, they would just get us involved in, in, in whether it be peacekeeping operations or whatever. But you're right. Under Trump, we didn't have any new wars. In fact, he was he was de-escalating a lot of our foreign conflicts. And at the same time, right, doing contracts with our partners and and funding the military. So, yeah, it would make people like Lindsey Graham happy. Um so, that, yeah, that's an excellent point. Interestingly, though, now, since Donald Trumpism, since Orange Jesus came uh, to the stage, uh, look at there's 17 Republicans that are going to be gone from Congress at the end of 2024 that supported his impeachment. I think there were five or six senators that are going to be gone that supported his impeachment. It seems to me that he is draining the swamp, even if in his absence. And it might just be. That a Trump reelection is the thing necessary to kind of finish the job of draining the swamp. And what is the swamp? I know we talk about it. It seems like, you know, we're just being rhetorical. But it's this idea that there are people like Mitch McConnell that can serve just as long as they'd like. They can do whatever they'd like. People like uh, Kevin McCarthy who can say, yeah, I'm going to do all these things when I come in office and not do any of it. Um, you know, and, and I think that is what the establishment does to the rest of us who want action. Instead of a debt ceiling, we have an, 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 a, basically a blank check for government debt. Instead of a, uh, individual appropriations, we still have CRs. I mean, this is even with the new speaker. Instead of a balanced budget, we don't have it. We don't have term limits. We don't have any of the, the January 6 tapes are just trickling out. This is what the American people are sick of, and this is what they got just for a brief period of time when Donald Trump was president. And I think that is what, honestly, in my opinion, scares the establishment. It's that he keeps his promises. And if politicians are held to keeping their promises, I don't think that's a standard they're willing to abide by. What do you think? Well, I think that, you know, it goes even deeper than that. When you look at all of the levels of of the federal government and all of these agencies, I mean, just think of the amount of diversity, equity, and inclusion offices that were established just since Joe Biden took office. And instead of getting out to the range or doing any kind of, you know, relevant training for our people who work along the U.S. southern border or the military, they're stuck in classrooms taking classes on on pronouns and how not to offend people. You know, we've had so many people, a half dozen former deputy assistants to President Trump on our show on a regular basis, and they basically said, like, they would go into the Oval Office, Donald Trump would sit down with whatever advisors, and agency heads were there. They'd come up with a plan. He'd tell his, you know, deputy assistant to, all right, I need this done now. Go get me the data. Go get me this from whatever agency. He'd walk across the street or whatever part of Washington, D.C. he needed to go to and said, the president of the United States just told me to come and get this, and I need it now. And they would straight up tell them, no, that's not the way things work in Washington, D.C. We'll be able to get it for the president whenever we want to. And that's how all of these projects take years instead of months. And how about this form in triplicate? Yeah, exactly. And, the, and you get all of these 
programs that just come out of nowhere. And it's like, okay, you work for the federal government, but you're you're working from home and making $250,000 a year to make decisions for people who are on the front line, a place where you've never trained for or never worked. How does that make sense? And that's just the, you know, the entirety of the swamp right now. It's not just the agency heads, but it's all the people that are underneath them, their friends and family members that they've promoted over the years, holdovers from former administrations that cement themselves in jobs that they essentially can't be fired from. And, uh, you know, the only way to combat that is to clean house on day one and, and start shrinking the agencies by the thousands, which is what the Trump, you know, uh, as part of Agenda 47, they're looking to do shortly after he's sworn in office. Yeah. I mean, if you look, we do have a bloated government, but at the same time, have you ever tried to call the IRS? They hired 87,000 new agents. You ever tried to, you, you might, you might get somebody answered a phone in two weeks. And so what are you going to get with a leaner government? I, I, I think you probably will get better service because the, the bureaucracy does kind of support itself and it creates the necessity um, to, to exist just by simply growing. And um, yeah, I don't think it hurts the taxpayers much um, to have a leaner, harder working government doing the essential things that they come to expect. Listen, I got to take a quick break. Will you guys hang on for just a minute? Because I want to talk about George Santos because Congress is making history still. And I'm interested to get your guys' take. Absolutely. All right, guys, don't go anywhere. When we come back, we're going to talk about George Santos getting expelled. <laughs> I told you, the establishment is striking back. And the uh, Steak for Bre- Breakfast podcast folks, uh, Ron and Noah, are going to be sitting there waiting for us on the other side of this break. So don't go anywhere. Seems Florida is a popular place to live these days. But do you know who is not feeling the effects of limited home inventory? Bugs. That's right. As popular as Florida is for people, pests like it even more. Which is why I recommend pest control, termite treatment, and fertilization from Protex. With over 40 years of experience, their fully licensed, bonded, and insured team utilize state-of-the-art products and techniques to maintain a pest-free home. But that's not all. They also provide the highest quality fertilization and pond management services so you can have a green yard and not a green pond. So if you want to keep your lawn green and your home bug free call protex today at 407-542-0044 or visit them online at protexlawn.com that's p-r-o-t-e-x lawn.com david pollock here i hope you're enjoying the show if you're looking for more information on any of our sponsors, or perhaps you want to hear a replay of a past show, make sure to visit thedavidpollockshow.com. There, you'll also find our latest articles, links to our social media, and opportunities to become a sponsor yourself. So remember to visit thedavidpollockshow.com. Welcome back to the David Pollack Show. Short people is on the the uh, break. <laughs> We're talking about the Republican establishment. I'm drawing the parallels to a college football playoff selection committee establishment that did whatever they wanted to do to help out their donors and financial interests. And I'm talking about what Washington, D.C. does. To help out their own donors and special interests. There's parallels here, guys. It's not just sports. 
Everything is an establishment these days. Everything is curated and controlled, and they send their messages to their partners in the media just to go with the narrative. I read to you earlier some of the headlines. Now it looks like Trump is becoming more likely the nominee, even though we said that from the very beginning. I don't know where everybody's been. We've been saying from the very beginning that Trump's going to be the nominee. But you saw, now there's there's talking points out there calling him a dictator, and they're all saying the same thing. You've seen some of these montages where literally the news, the corporate media is given the same scripts to read all across the country. Their narratives are curated and they're real, and they're trying to basically prop up a sense of reality that doesn't exist anymore. I mean, who believes anything anymore? Who believes what's happening in college football? There's not even going to be a real national champion this year. Sports isn't real anymore. News isn't real anymore. People question the outcome of elections. So what's real? How do you know what's real? I mean, yeah, you have to do the work. You have to do research. You have to start to find what you view as credible sources, which is why it's so great to have the rise of independent journalism. This is why it's great to have people doing podcasts like Steak for Breakfast, who continues to join us, guys. So how do we, I'm going to get into George Santos here in a second, but I want to ask you guys that question. What, what's real anymore? Oh, that's a good question. <laughs> it's definitely not the college football playoffs. I'll tell you that much as, as a Florida State fan. I am still deeply <laughs> hurt by the Bobby Bowden is rolling over in his grave. I tell you that much. I, th- I think the only real thing right now is just everyone's regret. Yeah. Mm. That's the truth as we enter the holiday season. It's going to be a tough one, at least financially, for, I'd say, an overwhelming majority of Americans in some context. Yeah, I mean, that's another question. Is the economy real? I mean, there's so much right now that's just based on perception. I saw somebody earlier was talking about gold hitting record prices. Stock market looked like it's hitting record prices. We know home prices are record prices. We know uh, interest rates are record high. Uh, it looked like there's, there's a new, I think Bitcoin is now approaching 40-something thousand. Who's spending money? And, and what is, is the economy even real? Because here's what I know on Main Street. The people are hurting. I mean, credit card debt is is at talk about records. People are setting record debt right now because they can't afford what they used to be able to afford thanks to this Joe Biden economy. Groceries doubled, gas doubled. I mean, we all know the the story. I mean, this is real, but yet it seems that the economy is just being. It seems is that they want the middle class to stop spending money. They're fine with if people with wealth to spend money because they kind of supports what their initiatives are. But that doesn't even seem real either. Nothing seems real anymore. But you know what is real? Uh, George Santos being expelled from Congress. Now, this is, I believe, the sixth time in history that a congressman, or fifth or sixth, that a congressman was expelled. And it's the first one after the Civil War to be expelled before a conviction. What are your thoughts on that? Well, what your what your listenership needs to understand is that there's so many different things, and I, I've been able to shape a narrative of this that's happened. Number one, by talking to George Santos because he's a regular guest on our show, as is you know 40 other congressmen and women and a couple senators who frequent our podcast. But Kevin McCarthy and Matt Gates have this blood feud going on, and Kevin McCarthy cannot touch Matt Gates in his elections because he wins by such a high margin. He can't touch anyone that's closely adjacent to Matt Gates. people like Corey Mills, Speaker Mike Johnson, all of the America First Men and Women, members of the 20, and then the Gates 8. George Santos became a soft target after the motion to vacate for Kevin McCarthy due to the fact that they essentially expedited the results of his ethics investigation without there being any legal disposition 
on the cases he's being and, and the crimes he's being charged with in court, setting a new precedent that Kevin McCarthy was able to whip some of those squish Republicans in the House, delegations from places like New York, Michigan, and California, to essentially vote in a third time to expel George Santos from the U.S. House of Representatives. And, and what it does is it kind of starts to settle a score between Gates and, and Kevin McCarthy because Matt Gates and, and George Santos are so close. You know, their friends are always seen together, jump in Twitter spaces together all the time. And it's just one of those things where he became a top, soft target, although it sets a new precedent and was completely and, and, you know, just legally nonsensical to even see go down because, listen, no one makes any kind of excuses for what George Santos did prior to his time in office. But the fact of the matter is this is the second time he ran for that seat. He actually won it in 2020. A lot of people don't know this. Went to Congress and began his freshman congressional like in service and during the course of that time there was a recall vote in new york three and they flipped the seat and removed him from congress after he had gone to like freshman orientation back in 2020 for uh over a week so it's not like the people didn't know george santos's backstory or couldn't have checked it better or vetted it better but this guy has been running in that district essentially for five years representing it for over two and then you know because he became someone that they identified as either a vulnerable seat moving into the 2024 presidential election cycle where they're all up for re-election in the U.S. House again, or just, you know, based off the fact that they think he's going to be convicted of at least something, therefore justifying it. Big question is, is if George Santos beats most of these charges and they're just like some minor misdemeanors and they're able to figure out some of the things he's able to justify, you know, the campaign spending that he did, et cetera, it's going to look really bad as like, can he sue for his seat back? Does he can't get his seat back after Mike Johnson, you know, takes the vote? It becomes official then, and, and then the order goes directly to the governor of New York to replace who's ever going to sit in that seat until the special election in March. But, you know, this is just another example of if they can't get you personally, they're going to do everything to either your friends or family or anyone around you that they can negatively affect. And it just so happened that this time in the case of Matt Gates, it happened to be George Santos via his congressional seat. And they don't care what kind of horrible precedent that seat Nope. Nope, because this is all – I mean, there. listen, you could say uh, anything from Adam Schiff and Eric Swalwell to, you know, stuff that Nancy Pelosi did in and around January 6th all the way up through laughs and insider trading. Every single member of Congress is guilty of something in, in some way or another, definitely not servicing the American people as far as the 118th session goes right now. But, you know, to go after George Santos for a couple campaign finance violations and then, you know, lying on his resume when he ran for Congress a second time and won the seat – it, it kind of just doesn't make sense to me. It has nothing to do with what he did when he was there. And for a lot of Republicans who don't know George Santos, except for what's going on with him right now, he was a pretty strong vote for America First. If you line him up with a lot of the uh, freshman Republicans in the House, he voted a lot stronger than, than many of the people from, you know, you would see their name and think, oh, yeah, they always vote Republican. Not so much the case with them in the freshman class. And George Santos was like in the 85 percentile of uh, America First voting. Yeah, and I think he had a, almost a perfect score uh, from CPAC, yep. I believe, for being conservative. And and this is this is how much the establishment values uh, the establishment over uh, the party or America. Because who's going to appoint his replacement? A Democrat governor from New York? I mean, this mm. is this is they're fine with it. They don't care that the majority now is, is like two. They don't care. Because, he, like you said, they're settling a personal score. And this is what the American people are sick of. The other thing is, 
this is just based on an accusation. Again, drawing a parallel to the college football thing where they decided that Florida State wasn't going to go into a playoff because, not because they didn't win, is because they didn't think they could win. That's the new standard set by the college football playoff committee. It's, we don't know if they have a good chance of winning anymore because they don't have their starting quarterback. So just because they could lose, we're just not going to invite them and we're going to invite a team that we think might win more. Like, it's the craziest standard. But at the same time, it, you can draw a parallel to this. We think, you know, he hasn't been convicted yet, but he could be convicted. And so considering he could be convicted of something, let's just go ahead and expel him now based on the accusation. But this is, this is what they're trying to suggest that an accusation in and of itself is enough. That's why they've indicted Trump four times. They don't want to see... This is why DeSantis is still in the race. People can say, when do you think DeSantis will get out? Never. He won't get out until he until Donald Trump is cleared of any of these indictments. Because he knows that if it, Donald Trump's ineligible, he's the guy who's just sitting in the batter's box. And 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 that's that's the precedent they're setting. The precedent is accusations alone are enough. Now, you might have heard... What just happened, uh, well, it, apparently it happened in October, but it's starting to make news now. Uh, president of the Florida GOP, Christian Ziegler, has been accused of a sexual assault uh, with a woman that apparently he and his wife uh, had a relationship with um, at the same time. And apparently it didn't work out at some point, and there was a alcohol-involved uh, daytime affair with Mr. Ziegler and this woman, and uh, as a result, she is alleging that he raped her. And um, of course, Don uh, Ron DeSantis has suggested he should resign as a result. Now, his lawyer is confident. Now, apparently, they recorded um, these instances. Uh, these sexual encounters were recorded. The videos were deleted, and apparently, they were undeleted. And I don't know if they should ex would exonerate uh, Mr. Ziegler or not. But the point is. This is an accusation based on a, a relationship that was at least once consensual. And Governor DeSantis is suggesting he should step down again before he had the opportunity to defend himself. Now, I'm saying it happened or not, but in this country, we have a presumption of innocence until proven guilty. But now we've already seen Congress throw that out the window. We certainly see the media try to bend over backwards to twist this narrative with respect to Donald Trump. And now you're starting to see it with uh, Mr. Ziegler. What are your thoughts on that? I mean, I just think that the DeSantis campaign is probably the worst-run campaign in the history of modern politics, to be honest with you. I mean, between that instance that you just referred to, you have Aaron Perrine and Jeff Rowe having an affair over the course of you know, that campaign, the amount of people that they've let go and, and amounts of money that they've wasted. What can you say? It's just people that uh, you know set up that whole network are just a, a collaborative group of bad decision-makers, both publicly and privately, apparently. And and what it does is it, it kind of gives you a little insight on just what, you know, happens behind closed doors, not only, I guess, in the Florida State House and with the local GOP there, but nationally on, on Ron DeSantis's soon-to-be-ended presidential campaign. I mean, when you look at the, the amount of stress and pressure that goes into just running these campaigns, especially a national one like for presidency that they're all involved in right now, we call it the fake primary here on our show above the the clear one where Donald Trump is running, you know, anywhere between 40 and 60 points ahead of everybody. It, it, it's got to be so bad to have to go on these TV shows and look into a camera and try to tell America, like, they just pretend Donald Trump doesn't exist. <laughs> on Fox News and all these other channels, they give platforms to people like Ron DeSantis, but then at the same time, Chris Christie and anybody else that will go on there and bash him, 
And, and it's like you let in with, it's that assumption that something is going to happen legally to Donald Trump that kind of keeps the grist alive for them to all be in the race. And it, it not only sets a bad precedent for where American politics is right now, but when you just go down to the bare bones of it, the, the loyalty of the situation, the fact that at some point or another, Donald Trump supported these people, had these people working for him, et cetera. And now they all want nothing to do with him. And that includes, you know, some of the other candidates that are still left, like Nikki Haley as well. I mean, a year and a half ago, she was saying she would never run against the former president. And now that he's looking to end her presidential aspirations pretty soon here, too. You know, it's funny to see how the mainstream media is trying to prop her up as the disaster, which is Ron DeSantis' campaign, continues to flail and flutter like a wounded bird as Donald Trump always puts it. Yeah, it's a car accident that we can't take our eyes off of. I'm out of time on the show. Uh, are you gonna, hopefully you'll be able to join us in the post-show uh, Twitter space. We can continue this conversation. Lots to talk about. Thank you guys so much. Guys, go check out Steak for Breakfast podcast. Go check it out right now. Thank you guys so much for being on the show. Thank you. Anytime. All right, guys, that's all the time I have for tonight. I got 20 seconds before they take me off the air and put whoever is next on. I appreciate you joining tonight. Hopefully you learned something. Hopefully you were entertained. Uh, Hopefully uh, you don't disagree with me about the Florida State Seminole because I think they deserve better. Uh, Until next time, we'll talk soon. And thank you so much for tuning in. Good night. Just to do.